Hi, everyone, and welcome to Val Cafe. My name is Brian Hostler, founder of Strong Roots Consulting based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Carolyn Kamen, an independent evaluation consultant working out of Vancouver, BC, coming to you from unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations territory. This podcast is an informal chat on evaluation topics, the kind you might overhear at your favorite coffee shop if your favorite coffee shop were frequented by evaluators. This podcast is for everyone, expert or novice, longtime practitioner, or just starting in the field. Even if you don't identify as an evaluator, as long as you have an interest in evaluation, this podcast is for you. And on today's episode, we're joined by Evan Poncelet. He's a former placement student of mine and also uh, our first representative from somewhere east of Saskatoon, I guess, in terms of Canadian content. So uh, finally get some some East Coast representation here on the podcast. So uh, welcome, Evan. And uh, why don't you start off just by telling the folks a little bit about yourself? Mm-hmm, thanks. Uh, yeah, being in Halifax here and Carolyn, you're in Vancouver, Brian in Saskatoon. I think we've got full Canadian coverage almost from coast to coast. Pretty much. <laughs> right. So uh, I am the, the Real Evaluation Fellow here at Nova Scotia Health Research Foundation. Uh, and when I say real, that is an acronym. Uh, I'm not insinuating that there are a bunch of other people there pretending to be me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so real, that stands for relevant, excellent, accessible, and legitimate. And that describes... Uh, NSHRF's approach to, to most of the things that we do. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I moved here from from Saskatoon uh, about six months ago to start this fellowship. Uh, it's a two-year position, and uh, I get to be um, managed, mentored by uh, two credentialed evaluators. That's Nancy Carter and Robert Chatwin. Uh, and I get really a mix of internal and external evaluation. I mean, it, it feels like it's um, everything I could have asked for <laughs> to start off with a position out of, out of graduate school. And I'm not just saying that because I'm probably going to have some people from the organization listening. But... <laughs> <laughs> Always good to know your audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm interested in... Um... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, so Evan and I also, you and I have the same... Had, I think had a similar kind of introduction to evaluation in that we were both in the same, not at the same time, but we were both in the same uh, graduate program at the University of Saskatchewan, the uh, the applied social psych master. I think, was it the master's level or the PhD level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was master's for, for me. So I think I was um, maybe two years behind you. I think you were just, you exited right when I entered the program. Yeah, I think I was just finishing up. So we've got kind of that in common, but then where I did the like, okay, I'm going to go and, and start working in the field now and just start like learning on the job. You have had this opportunity to do this fellowship, which is, um, it's also learning on the job, but in, in a very like, like specific structured kind of way. So I've been really interested in, in learning more about it and, and what it, that's been like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a pretty unique position, I would think coming out of graduate school because it, I mean, really what it feels like is uh, a two-year professional development opportunity that I, and I just get paid for as well. So, <laughs> woohoo! <laughs> yeah, so Getting I mean... paid is always nice. <laughs> especially coming out of graduate school when uh, student loans are staring you right in the face. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's been... It's really great because I get to uh, help out with 
the evaluation team here and the projects that are going on internally, as well as clients uh, that, that are uh, NSHRF clients. Uh, but it's also a training position. So part of my job is to, to learn, whether that be from meeting with my mentors to reflect on um, projects that we're doing or taking some time to brush up on whatever journal uh, is releasing some new articles you know, so it's it really has that learning component built into it, um, and it's structured around the the, the CES competencies. So the, the the framework for the fellowship kind of follows that. And at the end of the day, or I guess at the end of the fellowship, uh, the goal is to get my credentialed evaluator um, accreditation. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And for our listeners to know, so this is also, this is a fairly new fellowship. I think you're the second ever fellow. Yeah, that's right. Yep. There was um, one fellow before me who came from Manitoba, moved out east. So there, there seems to be a trend developing of uh, the prairies growing some evaluators and then moving out to the east for the fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Two data points at least. Right. It's a salvation of a trend, so yeah. But. Hey, we never have perfect data. We're evaluators. We, we make do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm actually. I'm also really curious. This for me. This is kind of the classic question. But like, what what got you interested in evaluation in the first place? Yeah, I think like so many evaluators, uh, I just kind of fell into it. It's not something that I sought out. So I didn't grow up thinking. Someday I want to be an evaluator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think my first, the first time I even heard about evaluation, you know, I was trying to think over the weekend leading up to recording this, when did I actually find out about it and, and think that's, that's what I want to do? I think it was near the end of my bachelor's degree um, when I was trying to figure out what I want to do with that degree or what I could do with it. Uh, so I met with... Uh, faculty member in the psychology department at the University of Saskatchewan. Um, and after that meeting, I basically had it down to, to two possible routes, and that was evaluation uh, from what I could understand of the field anyways. It still wasn't completely making sense to me, but I had kind of a, a muddled view of it at least. Uh, so evaluation, or I could go on to my PhD and uh, aim to become a, a teacher, basically a professor. And I mean, the idea of first going to my master's, because I'm still in my bachelor's at this point, uh, but when I met with this faculty member, first going to my master's and then doing a PhD after that, like, no way, man, I'm not signing <laughs> up for that much school. <laughs> Don't forget the postdocs. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, what I heard from evaluation, that the bottom line, I guess, or the, the, the main message I was getting from it is that I get to take the skills I've learned uh, and take those out of the, the lab in the university and actually apply it to the real world, which is great news because during my, my honors uh, thesis, running the research study for that, I was, I was not digging it really, you know, the, doing the in-lab research and having participants come in and it, it was just, just wasn't doing it for me. So uh, this seemed like a very appealing alternative. And then, like I said, there's, there's two possible routes I saw. So it was kind of out of necessity that <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is the way to go. Uh, and I don't know what else I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think at least um, um, myself has a similar route in terms of doing a master's in community psychology, which is uh, out of Wilfrid Laurier University, which is a little bit like the applied social psych uh, kind of program in terms of it has that applied 
uh, focused on using social uh, research methods. And uh, that's where I first learned about evaluation as well for myself. And uh, kind of not exactly going directly out of that into evaluation, but um, yeah, I found myself um, looking for for opportunities. I wasn't after uh, taking a while to complete a master's, not interested in, in going on and uh, seeking further education. Uh, I'm married to a PhD and I've kind of saw up close and personal the the, the long uh, and arduous journey for that. So I uh, didn't have any interest in myself in pursuing that, but then um kind of yeah, trying to find out how can I do some more community focused practice and kind of evaluation came up as as one one pathway that I could do that and most importantly, you know, still get get paid <laughs> to do it. So <laughs> very important consideration. Very important, yeah. Yeah. I realize we're like almost ten minutes in and I don't think we actually introduced our topic for this <laughs> for this podcast yet, this episode. Um was it's talking about um a little bit about about journeys, how to journeys to becoming an evaluator. Um, and kind of, I think we already jumped into it a little bit as to our own personal journeys, uh, but also think an opportunity to talk about what are some of the pathways into the profession and maybe how can we better support people from diverse perspectives and diverse backgrounds for coming in. So, um, yeah. And Carolyn, what's your, I obviously Carolyn, you're also from the applied social psych program. It's we, all three of us are, have a psychology background on this episode, but, uh, tell us a little bit more about your, about your pathway into evaluation. Yeah, and it's it's quite similar to what both you and Evan have described. And actually, I'll say like, yes, the three of us are coming from psychology and Evan and I are coming from like the exact same program, actually. But I, I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people. And I hear the same answer over and over again of like, why, you know, why did you get involved in evaluation? And it, it there's that, that sort of push pull. And it was for me as well of the pull was, I want to do like really meaningful work that's immediately applicable to people. Like I've, I've been, you know, as an undergraduate, I did a lot of volunteering in nonprofits. I got to see um, what their work was like. And I always wanted to be able to do something that, you know, research, I, even when I went into grad school, before I knew about program evaluation, I didn't know about it beforehand. I still thought, could I do something with my academic research that would be useful to people working in community? And so finding evaluation was just like, oh my God, that's it. That's the perfect fit. I actually realized in retrospect, when I've been volunteering at this one uh, organization in my hometown, that I'd seen a program logic model before I knew what that was. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this must be like part of their funding and things like that. So there was that relevance of it, the meaningful side of it. Uh, and then the other was the push factor of, oh my God, get me out of academia. This is nuts. Um, <laughs> I, I actually love research. I actually even love lab research. There's a version of me in another parallel universe somewhere where I am holed up in a lab 24-7, just like futzing with numbers in a spreadsheet and, and running like microscopic variations of an experimental survey on on intro psych students and loving my life um what really pushed me out of academia was just yeah the, it wasn't the research itself it was just the process and the bureaucracy and the hierarchy carolyn does not like authority structures <laughs> <laughs> i think we found a episode title <laughs> and now you're an independent um, consultant so that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I love, I, I really love working with people. Like even my evaluation practice is now becoming like just more collaborative all the time as I discover how collaborative it can be. And academia didn't let me collaborate. I remember trying to, in my uh, master's defense, I remember trying to like 
throw a question back to my committee to be like, hey, what do you guys think? And they were like, no, Carolyn, that's not how this works. This is just about you answering questions. Um, so yeah, so just academia was not a great fit in that way. Um, but I realized I didn't, research doesn't have to live in academia. I can do research anywhere. And there, I will say, I don't want to like, there are definitely spaces in academia where you can do research that's collaborative and engaged. And I know those spaces exist. And I know people who work in those spaces. I just also knew that it's, you have to, you have to really work hard to find them. And, and I didn't want to have to travel around and, and live in whatever city would off, have an institution offering a tenure track position. That was the other thing. I wanted to choose where I was going to live. <laughs> and evaluation gave me that freedom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I hear that, it's versions of that story I hear from a lot of people. Um, what intrigues me uh, in terms of some, some what I see changing is, I mean, I, even within this like very tiny sample we have here of the three of us, I feel like, um, like Brian, you and I, we didn't go into our graduate degrees knowing about evaluation. I probably heard about it early on. I had a, a course in evaluation in my first year of my master's, but I didn't know about it before that. But like Evan, you heard about it in your undergraduate and came in knowing about it. And I think that's one of the big shifts we're seeing in the field. Evaluation has gone from something that you were out, like the original version of becoming an evaluator is you're already out, you're doing a job and you stumble across or you basically reinvent evaluation for yourself and then you find out, oh, wait, this is a thing and we can do this. Um, to now we're seeing more and more people learning about it in school and at, at earlier and earlier times and actually going into either leaving school with wanting to be an evaluator or coming into a program wanting to be an evaluator. And we're also seeing more and more programs actually geared towards training evaluators. And I think that's huge. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Um, you know, uh, if, if you want to begin a journey into evaluation, I mean, first you have to be aware of evaluation, right? That's where it begins. And I think that's one of the big barriers to evaluation uh, maybe growing or to new people getting into it is people don't find out about it until they have to take a class in, in their graduate program sometimes, or, you know, it, it takes time to actually prepare for a career in an evaluation if that's what you want to do. So the earlier you find out about it, the earlier you can start getting prepared and uh, think it through and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's maybe a good jump off point to kind of <clears throat> another question on this topic is, yeah, what's kind of happening around, um, ways to kind of enter the field or to help people develop their kind of their, their journeys as evaluators. And um, like you both said, I think there's kind of different opportunities uh, today. There's actual, you know, specific graduate programs in evaluation. There's uh, for those who aren't going for the academic track, there's uh, different courses and programs, online courses. There's uh, all sorts of different, there's this kind of self-directed study. So there's all sorts of different ways to kind of, learn you can just learn about evaluation in the first place um like for me i had i think half of a half course in evaluation in my in my graduate training so i guess a quarter course of a of evaluation <laughs> of program evaluation but kind of got me introduced to it and then from then on it was um some self-development just kind of finding resources learning more on my own and then uh different workshops and, and the like so I guess, yeah, let's put it out what what are some of the good resources out there what are some of the different pathways that we're currently seeing uh, for for those who are wanting to enter the journey to become evaluators? Well, I think there's still, I mean, there's still a tremendous amount of um, different kinds of resources. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking what my, I mean, I started with, um, I got a full course 
in, in evaluation. Um, so, so a little bit more, but even that, like that full course, like it was just an, it was just an introduction. It was just like, here's a thing, here's what it is. Here's kind of the, the fundamentals of it. But, you know, I couldn't have come out of grad school with just that course and been, and then, and been prepared to do, you know, significant evaluation work. I needed more than that. And I'm trying to think of the other things. The other stuff that was influential for me or sort of part of my early journey, one of it was doing the student case comp for the Canadian Evaluation uh, Society conference, um, which I think they've, have they announced the the round one winners for this year? I don't think they have. I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. So that'll probably be coming out not too, not too far away from now because they did that back in in January and um, case comp was great because even just training for it, like having the, the five of us with like sample cases, working through them, figuring out, okay, if we had five hours to write a proposal around this, how would we do it? And, and looking at all of the past examples from, from previous teams, cause they're all up on the, the CES web, the case comp website. I, I love that. It's such a great resource just to get to see, okay, how have other people approached stuff like this? Um, and then to actually, we, because we were able to go to the conference and compete in the second round to, to do it and to get feedback. I remember the, the best feedback that we got after we did our, our second round. And I will say we won Edmonton 2011. <laughs> we kicked butt. Um, <laughs> the feedback that our team got from one of the judges, I think. Um, so all the cases they put in case comp are drawn from real life examples. People contribute, you know, projects that they've worked on. Someone came up to us and said that, product was one that I worked on and what you guys you know proposed is pretty much what we did wow so that was a moment of like oh shit we can do this <laughs> I can do this this is a real accessible possibility for me of a career track so that was really influential I also um like I started working part-time for like a, a consultant while I was still a master's student just like just helping him out with stuff like doing some like interviews like doing just that research associate kind of stuff um, and that was amazing because I got exposure to a lot of different kinds of projects. And I also got exposure to someone who was working in the consulting side of this as opposed to the academic side of this. Um, and that was really helpful as well. And then, yeah, just coming out and getting into my first evaluation job and just being, you know, on the ground doing it. So those, for me, that was my my kind of journey. It was uh, a lot of practical stuff. And actually now my journey is continuing um, where I've now pivoted back into a lot more training. I'm, I'm realizing, okay, these are the areas where I want to learn more. Um, so I've had, you know, lots of workshops and things over the years, but, you know, I've gone back and I'm doing this SFU certificate now on evaluation for social change and getting exposed to more specific kinds of approaches and methodologies and, and, you know, learning about things like culturally responsive evaluation. Um, so my, my learning journey is continuing um, and it's very much like a, a DIY kind of, um, what's the word that they use in, in developmental evaluation? They always talk about like the bricolage of methods oh, yeah. <laughs> and that word is stuck in my head now. Um, so now it's like a bricolage of education, um, is, has been kind of my pathway. Don't forget the books. Um, and so many books. Yeah. But it's a lot of, so it's a lot of self-teaching still from that, like bit of a foundation in a formal training sense. The rest of it has been just like me figuring stuff out and having cool opportunities. Um, but what I'm wondering is, yeah, when, cause I see the growth of like new, well, I mean, Evan, like this, this fellowship, like that's a totally different kind of opportunity. And that's something that's been like tailor made for 
you know, some, an evaluator and like, you know, um, connected to the competencies and everything. So like, even between like, yeah, there's just a few years gaps between us. It seems like there's been a change. I'm curious what other elements you have had in your learning journey so far. So, you know, you would have started probably with the same, same course that I did at, in your program, but what else has there been? That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll just have to go back to the, the case competition that CES puts on because huge shout out to that, to, to the Canadian Evaluation Society, to the CES Education Fund, everybody that gets involved with that. I think that has been probably the most, okay, well, that would be a bold statement saying that's the most formative experience, but it has been a very formative experience in, in my education uh, in terms of evaluation. You know, it, it just, it really gets you thinking about evaluation, gets you comfortable with theories. Because if you practice for, for the actual competition, you're sitting there and basically designing an evaluation uh, with your teammates. So you're, you're getting involved in this group work and tackling, uh, like you mentioned, these are real cases, cases of, of real projects, uh, real organizations out there that have evaluation needs. Um, so it really gets you, um, doesn't quite get your hands dirty, I guess, if you're not implementing the, the evaluation, but you know, maybe you're getting the, the gardening gloves on and about to submerge your hands if, if we can uh, take that <laughs> metaphor. You're putting, you're putting the little seedlings in the, uh, in the pots on your windowsill and <laughs> you can be ready to plant them then in a couple, in a couple months. <laughs> Sorry. We, so <laughs> we do love metaphors on this podcast. Hey, I'm all about the plant-based metaphors. Come on, strong root. So. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah. And I think another one, uh, one that really helps me out was getting involved with, uh, the CES, uh, mentoring initiative. Um, you know, I've, I can't remember how I first found out about it, but you know, this is a something you can check out online on uh, on their website, on the CS website. Uh, it pairs mentors and mentees in um, a mentoring relationship to to build evaluation skills, and it's very very open, very unstructured. Um, you know, I, I signed kind of up like, kind of okay, stupid for mentors, and like it's you know, you sort of go on and you look at people's <laughs> profiles and you send them messages. It My so brain. is. Yeah, you fill out a profile and it's like, instead of your, you know, your hobbies, it's your evaluation hobbies and uh, <laughs> a little bit of a self-assessment on where you stand in evaluation and you plug that in and it spits out a list of people that you can contact. <laughs> Somehow I've not heard of this. So that's well, like, I mean, the the, the uh, mentorship one, not about online dating generally, but I mean, uh, this is, yes, yeah, it's an interesting, um, we'll definitely include a, a link to this in the show notes because it sounds like a great uh resource but also a good way to um to offer for those of us who have a little bit more experience being able to offer some of that experience to the to another generation of of uh, evaluators yeah it's funny that platform they were promoting it really heavily um around the ces 2017 conference so i think it had just i think it had been around for a little bit and they were trying to like re relaunch it or, or scale it out um so there was a lot of attention on it and i kind of signed up to it just to see what it would be like. I wanted to be able to answer questions. Um, if people, you know, ask me like, what's it like to, you know, what's, what's this format and how does it work? Um, I always like to be able to answer those questions and I didn't really expect, I didn't, I kind of looked at the profiles, but I didn't, I don't know, maybe I'm, I never think about asking people for mentoring. I probably <laughs> should. I have mentored. I've had people who sort of like have stepped into that space in my life, but I will admit I'm, 
I'm bad at asking for help. So I've never asked for a mentor. Um, but I didn't expect people to approach me. And that's what happened is suddenly I, I've got I actually have someone that, that I'm mentoring through that platform now. And um, I totally didn't anticipate that being a, uh, something that would happen. Um, it's, it's an interesting platform. If you are a CES member already, it is completely free. But you do have to be a CES member to participate. So that's but so Evan, how have you used it? Uh, so I, I used it as a mentee. Um, yeah, you know, when, when I submitted my results and it showed me, you know, who I was matched up with, uh, I saw Natalie Kishchuk on there, who um, at the time, and I think may still be, uh, was the, the VP, the vice president of the Canadian Valuation Society. And I mean, it just kind of blew my mind. Like, really, I can contact somebody that's in this position that has this much experience in a wide range of sectors, you know, like I was reading her, the, the, the blurb that she included on there and thought this is just the perfect fit. So I crafted a, what is probably a very awkward and um, <laughs> odd message, but hey, I did my best and uh, heard back from her. And yeah, we, we talked for, well, we had, a, we had a mentorship going for about a year, I think, um, right up until I, um, until I got the position that I'm currently in, because that was kind of our end goal that we had uh, set for for the for the relationship. Oh wow, that's so neat. Natalie is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great because it. I mean, we we chatted about various things uh, over over tele um, over telephone or uh, web chat, um, but then when we actually met in person at, at the CES conference, you know, that's that's kind of an in, right? So you, you have somebody to show you around, introduce you to people. And I mean, evaluation is just like other professions, so much of who you know, just as much mm-hmm. as what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually something we haven't touched on yet, but it reminds me of what's the what's the role of the evaluation community in our evaluator journeys? Because mm-hmm. um, I think that was something else that really drew me into evaluation as a profession and, and away from the more traditional academia, um, maybe this is just a psychology thing, but psychology can get really competitive and really insular. And you kind of have like your small niche of people who you agree with and then the rest of the world that you don't agree with and you fight with on internet forums and at conferences. <laughs> I mean, again, I found, I did find good community and wonderful people in academia, but there was just, there was also, yeah, there was a lot of competitiveness too. And just, you know, it's, it's our, our theory versus your theory. Um, whereas in evaluation, man, everyone's so goddamn friendly, (laughs) (laughs) like seriously. Um, and I mean, there is a lot, despite the fact that even if we're going, you know, against each other on, on, you know, bids and things like that, sometimes there's a lot of, of collaboration, a lot of friendliness I've had, I've, um, I've known people who are like not part of the evaluation world who have come to evaluation conferences, who've commented to me after, wow, you guys are really friendly. So I know it's not just like my own, my own bias. Um, there was just something about, yeah, the, the kind of the, the, ex- and the accessibility too. like, it's, there's no one in evaluation who's like so big and so famous that I feel like I couldn't say hi to them at a conference or reach out to them with an email. I've definitely sent my fair share of awkwardly worded emails too. Um, but people are, I feel like people are really accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we talked a little bit about that on our previous episode about conferencing. But uh, yeah, like I, I've same experience for me. Um, 
And uh, I think maybe part of it is that you do get, or maybe I'm not sure if it's a cause or an effect, but you do see a pretty diverse range of folks who attend evaluation conferences. You have obviously some academics and um, we, 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 we love academics on this podcast, <laughs> even though we seem to be bashing the field a little bit <laughs> on this episode, but, uh, academics would be the first people to criticize. Academia. Probably. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, you, so you have academics, you have practitioners, you have independent consultants, you have government folks, you have nonprofit folks, you have, you know, kind of this, this whole range. And, um, again, I'm not sure whether it's a chicken or the egg is, is part of that, but, uh, but then that kind of makes it, um, yeah, an, an open space where people feel like no matter, you know, like this podcast, you know, <laughs> no matter if you have, whether you even identify with the term, it's, it's still a space that you can feel at home with, or at least that's my, my experience. Yeah. It's uh, a wonderful community that we've got an evaluation. Um, you know, any way that you access it or any way that I've accessed it, it's been great, you know, going to the Canadian evaluation conferences. Uh, I went to my first AEA last year and that was again i mean it's huge but the people are still just wonderful and then uh on twitter as well the the community of evaluators on there i mean i know you did an episode um on on twitter the twittering i think it was (laughs) called um yeah and it's you know I, i sometimes i feel silly promoting twitter because it's not exactly i mean when i say twitter it's the first thing that pops to my mind is not productivity or or resources <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's really what it's been for for me ever since i got on there I, I mean i signed up for twitter leading up to my very first uh ces conference just to keep um keep informed on on conference uh happenings and events um yeah and it just really really took me back a bit by how open and communicative and accepting and approachable everybody was on there. And then you build a few connections on there and you run into people at the conference and it's, it just makes it a lot easier. It kind of gives you uh, something to talk about or something to break the ice with. Yeah. Even since we did that episode with, with Dana, um, that was like episode eight. Oh my God, this is episode. I'm going to say 20. Who knows what happens between now when we record it and when it goes live, <laughs> but at the moment it's 20 in the queue. Um I have made so even more friends online and like real meaningful connections. Um, and, and there's collaborative work coming out of it. And I, and I learn so much like Twitter makes my work better as an evaluator. And I keep trying to tell emerging evaluators about this. And I think there's some skepticism. People are just like, mm, Twitter, I've heard things. The, the Twitter evaluation community, it's, it's a different, it's got its own, it's its own vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I really encourage anyone if you're like, not to not to say you have to be on Twitter or but if you're curious, check mm-hmm. it out. Check it out. There's a really cool community of people on it. Hashtag eval. <laughs> hashtag eval. <laughs> hashtag eval. Hashtag evaluation. Hashtag eval Twitter. <laughs> the hashtags are growing. <laughs> I think that that kind of uh, like, you know, um this demonstrates a different or maybe new pathways for those who are you know, would be curious about evaluation or like would be interested if they knew about it. Maybe they, they see something that's, that's tagged with that on Twitter. Maybe they find, you know, this podcast, or I know for me, like part of my personal development was listening to, I think our, our spiritual inspiration in terms of podcasts, uh, Kylie Hutchison and James Coyle's, James Coyle's, uh, uh, adventures and evaluation podcast. So like kind of like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways, I think beyond just like formal courses or, um, even conferences or those kind of settings just to 
you know, learn more about the field and kind of get connected in and, and, and start your journey. Like just, yeah, pop in your earbuds and, and queue up a Val Cafe and, and that's your introduction to the field. So what do we want to see? What do, what the three of us here in, in, in all of our maybe wisdom, uh, <laughs> what do we want to see f- uh, for the future of evaluation? Like, are, does it seem like the journey is going to keep changing or is it always going to be just everyone has their own version of this journey? It's a great question. Um, you know, I'll jump in and I'll say one of the biggest barriers, I think, to evaluation is some of the terminology, the jargon. Um, you know, when you're talking about theory of changes or is it logic model or you're talking about pathway maps or, or causal chains or maybe it's program theory. Um, you know, just the list goes on for, for some of these things that there are nuanced differences between them. But as a newcomer to the field or someone who's just kind of dancing around the idea of getting involved, like it's, it's a little intimidating and confusing and kind of frustrating trying to parse everything out. I know that was one of the biggest things for me getting involved um, is, you know, what the hell is everyone talking about? What exactly does this mean? <laughs> um, so if there's some way to, you know, simplify that, I mean, I, I know one thing, um, Kylie Hutchinson has an app that you can download. Um, I have it on my Android phone. It's an evaluation glossary. So, I mean, that helps a bit. You can just, you know, look up a term and see if it's in the glossary there and, and that helps parse it out a bit. Um, but I wonder if there's more that can be done. I mean, I, th- I think maybe this is something that just spans fields. Like this isn't unique to evaluation, but, but yeah, it, it gets tough. Yeah, but there's something particular about, I think this is really, really important. And I've seen other people talking about jargon a lot lately. This is something that affects evaluation in a particular way. Cause it's not just, it's, it's about for, yeah, first of all, who, how do people get involved in the field of doing evaluation? But it goes back to that idea of, you know, not everyone who does evaluation is an evaluator. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we are, well, we even said like the reason we want to do this work is because it helps us engage in community meaningfully. So evaluation one of the big differences between sort of maybe traditional research is that we are not just having a conversation amongst ourselves. We have to have conversations that are accessible to everyone. Um, and so I think some of the drive behind jargon um, to take a really, a really charitable view for it. Sometimes, sometimes jargon comes from people consolidating power through uh, creating a shroud of, I know more than you because look at the words I'm using. But even in a very generous interpretation um, of we get into jargon because we're trying to explore distinctions and nuances behind ideas and we're using words as a way to help us kind of analyze and figure out with and interact with these ideas and it's exploratory. But we can, if you go too deep into that, I mean, you see this all the time in academia, um, some of that research where you've gone so deep into those ideas and those nuances that people can't connect with it anymore. And evaluation, we have to keep pulling that back. Like, yes, we want to explore the nuances of, of, you know, a logic model versus a theory of change versus, but we can't get too far away from what's really just practical and usable. We can't cut ourselves off from that. I think that's really important for the field in general. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say maybe what's needed is just to focus on these umbrella terms for the more nuanced terms you know like like program theory is a pretty broad term and under that you can talk about theory of change or logic model or you know i remember when i was getting started out um, hearing about collaborative evaluation and empowerment and participatory 
and trying to figure out exactly, you know, what, what, what do all these mean? Um, and then came across an article that summed them all up under stakeholder engagement evaluation, I think is the term. Um, and that just made a lot more sense to me that, okay, I can focus on this stakeholder engagement approach for now and then get into the nitty gritty of collaborative and participatory and empowerment later. So maybe communicating with people outside the field, um, you know, need a, need a broader focus um, instead of just diving right into the, the nitty gritty definitions and terms. Yeah. And that's like an evaluator skill to be able to have the same conversation in different ways and different levels in different levels of depth as well. Like as an evaluator, sometimes you need to be like sitting down, like if I'm talking with like frontline staff about like the nitty gritty of their work, like we need to be able to have those deep conversations. But then I might also have to like step back and be like, how can I represent that authentically, but like fit it into like a, you know, one page executive summary of a report kind of thing. Like we're always talking at different levels and having to pivot between those conversations. Mm -hmm. I just want to pick up on something you both were talking about, and that's just around connecting with kind of folks outside the field. And I think it does kind of tie into this talk about conversation, about language and conversations, because I'm thinking back specifically to uh, CES last year in Calgary and the whole um, conversation I think we had as part of our, our podcast recording from, from Calgary around this idea of, um, um, we had the, a panel of mayors from different uh, from different cities and how kind of all of them admitted that not a lot of them had heard about evaluation or knew about it. And I think there was a little bit of some half-joking comment on Twitter that we should, uh, a bunch of us evaluators should go and crash a, a, you know, a city's conference or like a mayor's conference or something. Um, but, you know, if we explored some some of the words and some of the terminology in both our fields we probably find a lot of commonalities like you know what we call um you know evaluation or formative evaluation they would probably talk about performance measurement or um you know uh, corporate scorecard or if we're talking about engagement they would maybe talk about um yeah, user surveys and that kind of that kind of work or that um, you know citizen engagement so we're probably all working from the same from the same on the same concepts, but that requires us to also be going out, I think, and being willing to sit back and listen and learn to see what kind of terminology they're using and what are we using and say, where's the where's the commonality that we can say, okay, when you say this, we're saying that and we're really just kind of talking about this overarching concept. So why aren't we working together on this or why haven't we been working together on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that gives me nothing. like what is it that we aren't what is it that we aren't teaching um evaluators right now like what's missing in the training that we offer oh the soft skills with uh <laughs> air quotes around those because the soft skills aren't so soft i tell you <laughs> no but you know you, you learn a lot about the the technical side of evaluation i mean this is speaking about academia anyways and you know the graduate programs that you'll find um or the one that i was in anyways but yeah you learn a lot about how to do the technical side and data collection data analysis you might learn a bit about reporting though it's probably not uh, the reporting you want to do once you're outside of academia <laughs> um but some of the some of the hardest parts of evaluation is stakeholder engagement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. actually learning to to navigate different needs and wants. Um, sometimes conflict resolution is is needed, uh, but just being able to sit down with a client and and just have a conversation about 
evaluation needs and, and forming a project or, you know, reporting results to a client. Um, you know, these sort of things are very important, obviously. And, and I don't think there's a lot of training uh, for people. You know, maybe you'll get it in some internships. Um, but I don't know. I don't know about people listening, but I certainly didn't get much training on that in my program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, um, well, so in this, I'm doing this um, certificate through SFU in evaluation for social change, which I've talked about a whole bunch. This is Kim Vanderwerts, uh, of course, she was on our, our podcast a couple months ago, but we just wrapped up a whole course on leadership, uh, leadership and evaluation, and, and was really focused on um, our own, like learning about our own leadership, as well as learning how to support the, the development of leadership and organizational learning with the folks that we work with. Uh, whether we're working internally or coming in externally as consultants. And I mean, what an amazing component. It fits so well with everything else we were learning. Like it was very much about, you know, getting in depth on yourself and your own practice and um, how you, you know, engage. There was a whole, we spent a whole week on on courageous conversations. So having difficult conversations and, and nonviolent communication methods. And, and yeah, having, I, I would say those would fall under the umbrella probably of, of soft skills. Um, and so I think that's wonderful. And I, I would love to see more evaluation training out there. And there are, there are new programs coming out all the time. I mean, um, I haven't, I haven't actually taken part in, in, in any of the other certificates or uh, graduate level programs that are out there. But uh, I hope that they do and start thinking about including if they don't already, things like, hey, let's do some leadership and some self development for our evaluators alongside all the the stats and the methods and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree with both of you on that. And I'm wondering too, this one thing that came to mind a little bit is that I think we, in the evaluation field, we kind of implicitly recognize that we all come from different backgrounds. Um, again, you know, just by kind of a little bit happenstance on this episode, we have uh, three folks from psychology backgrounds, but obviously we see people coming in from, you know, public health, from uh, sociology, from nursing, from business, from all these different kinds of fields. But I don't like how often do we actually kind of talk about that? Like how often do we kind of recognize that, oh, because I come from psychology, it gives me these perspectives. It gives me this kind of insight, but I also recognize that I maybe have some some blind spots in my practice. And then, if you're coming from a health background, you bring these kind of frameworks, these kind of recognitions. So, I'm wondering, like we we and we're um, you, Carolyn, you and me are both kind of having some conversations uh, as part of a group around around boundaries and identity. I'm just wondering, do we need to have kind of more an evaluation training? And maybe it's not training, but just more uh, development kind of recognizing where we're we coming from as, as individuals, what, what's our our um, our disciplinary roots in some ways, and how does that kind of impact our, our, our approaches to evaluation? Mm, I think that's such a good point. And I'm, I'm noticing something I, I didn't realize I was noticing, but I have been noticing that there is a certain amount of clumping that happens. Like we have a very diverse field. Um, and I think that diversity is what makes our field stronger and, and gives us more adaptability, um, you know, as the, the demands on evaluation have been changing. But I also know I probably do tend to hang out with folks who um, we're already speaking some of the same language or we're working in the same sector. 
um, you know, if there are sectors that I'm unfamiliar with and I'm sort of trying to listen in on conversations, I'm like, oh, okay, this is all like, like, I don't, there's a lot of health related work in BC. I do some of it, but it's not like I, it's not an area where I have like a deep, deep, deep grounding. So I kind of feel left out of those conversations from time to time. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, is there, is there a little bit, yeah, I like the idea of us having very explicit intentional conversations about what's shaping where we're coming from and maybe doing a little bit to break down some of those, those clumps. <laughs> yeah, it's a great point because I mean, as, as three psychologists here, I guess we, we're probably all familiar that like attracts like it's just, you know, kind of human tendency to, to go towards people that speak the same language that you're speaking and, and they're like, you in other ways, but you know, there are certainly dangers with that. If you just surround yourself with like-minded people, it can create an illusion of, of what is truly, what, what people are truly like out there. And uh, you can get certain, you know, group think happening. Um, yeah. So what do we need? We need something that's forcing us to, to maybe get out and branch out a bit if people aren't doing it on their own, maybe. As to what that actually looks like, I have no idea, but I'm just kind of <laughs> speaking what's coming to my mind at the moment. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> we ask questions. We don't answer them. Exactly. <laughs> I'm curious, Evan, though, because you're... Um, the, the evaluation fellowship that you're that you're in that's based in like kind of a health focused um, organization if I'm remembering correctly so uh, have you found kind of any um, like what, what's what's been your experience and kind of going from uh, you know from a psychology program into a more health focused organization yeah you're right that it is a, a health organization um, so within NSHRF there's real evaluation services uh, and they have a pretty diverse client range, um, mostly government, but different government departments, uh, some education institutions, some nonprofits. Um, so there's a wider range of clientele that that I thought there would be coming into the position. You know, I, I thought it would be all all health uh, organizations and very much in the health field. But yeah, it's been a very nice range of uh, sectors that we've been involved with. Um, so, I mean, coming from my psychology background, I think it's been, it's matched that well, you know, having just kind of that, that broad range. Um, you know, I do feel kind of like a fish out of water when, when there is a health program, because that is, that's not my background. I don't know public health that well. And when people start talking about uh, diseases and uh, get on that topic, I, I do feel a little out of, uh, out of sorts, but I suppose that's a lot of doing external evaluation is it is kind of pretending to be an expert or catching up quickly to be an expert in the field you're not an expert in mm-hmm, definitely <laughs> or, or reaching out and leaning on the expertise of others mm-hmm. right right i guess we bring the the experience uh the evaluation experience they bring the the content experience and <laughs> together hopefully you can make something out of that mm-hmm yeah. I don't know. How have you found it? Because both of you do uh, external evaluation, consultant work. Um, you know, how do, how do you feel with uh, the projects you've had and them lining up with kind of your journey into evaluation and your background? Yeah, I feel like I think every project I've worked on has always been its own. It's it. Everything's different. Like every project I work on is is just different than other things. And it's a new area to dig into. And I work 
so much now with with nonprofits and every nonprofit has its own mission and there's there's similarities there's you know we're all struggling with some of the same problematic system. So there's a lot of familiarity, but then there's also, you know, getting to know that particular context, that particular history. Every organization has its own story, its own place that it's working with. So I think I've gotten used to never, so always being a little bit new, (laughs) new on scene um, and having, and having that learning happen, which I feel like that's my whole my whole journey right now is just a constant state of being like, and now what do I do? <laughs> it's always new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you said it pretty well there. Um, yeah, I think it's always coming in and and saying, okay, kind of balancing the tension between I can apply what I've learned from other instances here while also saying that this could be completely new or there's definitely going to be something that's definitely some elements here which are going to be throw me for a complete loop or I'm going to have to learn everything I'm just learning new terminology in terms of what is this particular subsector I work primarily with nonprofits and all over the nonprofit sector so you know it's just like what do they consider important what terminology do they use um, just and then all the way to how do you fundamentally understand the the issue or the or the problem in the community so um, yeah it's it's always kind of balancing out I think those two pieces like at the same time, assuming that you have something very real to bring to the table, but also re- recognizing that you may have absolutely no clue as to what's really happening until you actually get in there for a while and just sit and listen and observe and see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to say, though, oh, sorry, I just want to point out that I, just because we, we talk about jargon and evaluation, but I, I do want to point out every organization, every group of people starts to create their own jargon if they're Mm -hmm. left alone with it long enough. (laughs) So yeah, coming in and being able to learn the jargon of other folks is a good skill. Learn and start using it yourself. And then like, oh, I realize I've been been picking up these terms unconsciously and start using them. (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted your thought there earlier, Evan. Um, It wasn't anything big. I was just going to say it. It takes some humility being an evaluation, doesn't it? Because <laughs> you're often in, like you're saying, like these new situations. It takes a lot of saying like, yep, I don't know. Can you please explain this to me? And, you know, a lot of these kind of, you feel like the newbie in a lot of, uh, a lot of scenarios. Um, yeah, so you have to remind yourself sometimes that you are, this is your role, at least as, as an external evaluator, um, coming in and learning these new things and, applying what you what you do know to these new scenarios mm-hmm. i think that's up and i think the word that you really hit it at, um on there is is humility um we absolutely do that's i think a fundamental part of being a really great evaluator is is having humility um as well as being sort of firmly rooted in this idea of like, I do have something of value to offer and that makes me wonder again like where do we learn humility humility um in our journeys as evaluators. That's probably not something that's ever turned up on a syllabus. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can there be like a mental preparedness for evaluation units? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, the way to learn humility is to have, you know, some experience, I think going out in the field and realizing, Oh, you, you, we don't know everything about that. There is to know about this organization, even if we've got a textbook full of insights about this particular uh, issue or, you know, taking how many courses and evaluation methods, there's always still something to learn. Um, But I think you really need to seek those experiences and also 
probably have some someone in the form of a mentor or a teacher who can point out like yeah you know see like this is this is what's happening in the situation and this is why you know you, you can't just go in with assumptions mm-hmm. or at least not unchallenged at least not be able to go in with unchallenged assumptions i'm gonna have to double check the ces competencies and, and make sure that humility shows up in there i wouldn't be surprised if it did but i want to go and look for it <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, one thing you touched on there, Brian, is you learn by 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 experiencing. You learn by doing. Uh, yeah, gaining evaluation experience is so important to growing as an evaluator. But it's it's one of the harder things to come by. You know, people get to engage in internships um, if they're if they happen to be in, in a program, an academic program for this. But I mean, there are some people out there who. Uh, they're already out in the workforce and decide they want to uh, enter the world of evaluation for, you know, however they've heard about it and they want to get more involved. It seems a little tougher there for them to get some experience. Um, Carolyn, did you mention that you had uh, early on, you got to um, work with a consultant and gain some firsthand experience that way? Yeah. And that was actually a really amazing experience. And it was just, I think he's, he's actually recently retired. Um, but he kind of knew someone in the psych department and, and knew to sort of like check in periodically and say, Hey, you got any grad students who might be interested in some extra work? Um, cause when you're a consultant, you need like, you can become very fast to be overloaded with work and it's helpful <laughs> to have someone you can like, uh, hand stuff off to in, ex- in exchange for, for, for teaching them. Um, so those kinds of opportunities are amazing. I don't know that there's like, um, it seems like more of a word of mouth way or, an, or a networking kind of way to to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also like, I, yeah, when I when I was starting out, I did a lot of work for other consultants and it sort of, it started more in that associate level and has, has grown now into just equal collaborations as I've gotten more um, experienced and established as, as an evaluator. Um, it's a tremendous way to work, but yeah, that question of like, how do, I think that's a question I hear a lot from emerging evaluators is like, how do I get experience? Um, and there's, I mean, the case comp is really cool. Uh, it's, it's specific to students though, but we've also like, we've seen, I think was it last year. Yeah. Last year we had uh, a team that formed, it actually came through our emerging evaluator group here in BC Four folks from four different institutions who just like met each other through that network you know, put in as a team and actually won um, with, and I think they're, yeah, they represented four separate institutions, Simon Fraser, UBC, UVic, and University of Melbourne, because someone was doing the online course. Um, so there's, there's, you don't necessarily have to be in a program with, with, you know, three or four other people to, to do that. Um, and we've also, we've talked in BC about, uh, can we can we do something like the student case competition, but like not just for students? Because there are a lot of really experienced evaluators who look at that and think that looks like fun. I want to do that. Um, at our recent regional conference, we had um, a test. One of our sessions was like a test version of that. Of can we do our own case comp? Cool. Yeah, I'd done it for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doesn't it just sound fun? We need. It's it's got to be like like top chef, but like top evaluator. <laughs> uh, now we just need somebody to play the part of Gordon Ramsay and be the, the evaluator equivalent to that to, to add some flair, some entertainments. Yep. 
Oh, I'm we Michael Patton. If you're listening to this episode, <laughs> call us. We have no shortage of entertaining evaluators in the field, um, and that mentoring platform. I think that's another way you can not necessarily that you'll get like experience work through that, but it's another way to connect and network. Um, I know that I did a lot of volunteering again, just uh, at conferences, just meeting people, going out to um, events and meeting people. Um, we I, it, it varies by your region in 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 BC, we do a lot of networking and socializing events now so that people can get connected. Cause I think that comes down to a lot of it. Yeah. I think, um, for me, um, uh, there's like definitely kind of being willing to go to like look for those opportunities or be open to them. But I think it's also for those of us who, who have some experience who, who've been in the field for a little while, um, kind of it's incumbent on us too, I think to say, where there are opportunities that I can reach out to those who are just starting the field, whether it's just, you know, being active on, on a Val Twitter, whether it's um, acting as a, as a placement for programs um, or just like saying that getting connected into your local chapter of CES or, or whatever and saying like, Hey, are there any kind of activities or mentorship or networking events coming up and just connecting in with new folks? So kind of being a little bit proactive and reaching out and saying, there's there is this community there is there are these resources out there um and how can we how can i connect you into that i think it's worth pointing out too that uh the work that these voluntary organizations do like ces and aea um i guess the one term for this is voluntary organizations for professional evaluation the vopies to add that to our book of jargon <laughs> but, but the I mean, there's, I think there's over a hundred of them now recorded on online on the, on the website, mm-hmm. the IOCE website. Yeah. Globally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, if you want to get involved with an evaluation community, I mean, there's one sure way there to just reach out to, um, the Vopi near your nearest Vopi. Do we have any, any closing thoughts or big takeaways or reflections i think i like your comment carolyn from earlier about how uh um just always learning just always uh always being kind of new and you, you said it much much more eloquently but uh it's kind of always being maybe a little bit feeling like you're still new at this and you're still there's more to learn so i think that's something we need to always take in as an attitude i think that there's never we're never going to get there as an evaluator we're never going to be fully developed as an evaluator it's just an ongoing journey we're just taking the first couple steps yeah i think that to me connects to that idea of humility again that evan brought up and just yeah always coming in open and ready to learn and and humble in the face of learning yeah and be uh be open to failure right i mean it's it's (laughs) not an easy thing to do much easier said than done but um coming into new scenarios like that all the time there's going to be some, some oopses. There's going to be some downtimes. Uh, and I think part of, I mean, that's part of growing that you have to kind of accept that. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to model as like, if we do that, if we actually bring that into ourselves, I mean, that's really what we're asking for from all the people we work with too, is that they're open to learning um, and, and open to learning through failure sometimes. So. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's the evaluation failures book that just came out. What was that last year? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. a great example of promoting failure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was one thing that I wanted to bring up um, before closing. Uh, the idea of having evaluation done to us. Um, and this actually comes from one of your, your tweets, Carolyn. And 
prophecy because some of your tweets, I mean, they're just gold. Uh, you had posted one just talking about, you know, I wonder what it's like to be on the other end of evaluation. And then you yeah, went a little further into that. And yeah, it made me realize, I don't think I've ever been on the receiving end of evaluation. I've certainly never commissioned one. I've never been a client. I mean, I filled out some surveys here and there, but never been engaged as a real stakeholder of an evaluation, which seems like a serious flaw considering I'm constantly doing this to other people. I should, I should know what it's mm. like on the other end. Um, and it surprised me though, because you put out a little poll on, on Twitter saying, you know, if you identify as a program evaluator, how many times have you created or, or been involved in a program that someone else evaluated? And almost, almost 90%, I think, of people said that they have been involved on the receiving end of evaluation. Yeah. Uh, and I think only about nine people replied to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can get into the, <laughs> the credibility of a Twitter poll. <laughs> Non-scientific method, but... Um, <laughs> Well, no, actually, I, I'm going to take that back. It absolutely is a scientific method. I'm sorry, but that's empiricism. It may not be perfect, but it's, it's still data. We it's can data. just be aware of its limitations. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I wish there was a way to be on that receiving end. Like, I was trying to think what, what could be done. And uh, like, maybe there's like a conference workshop that you could do this, like have the facilitator act as the evaluator and the audience as the clients somehow. But you know, it'd be so hard with everybody and yeah. without everybody being in the same program or something. One thing that I, um, actually, I, I'm really glad you brought that up. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about it. And and one of the things I had in mind bringing it up was also like, yeah, I feel like I haven't always been evaluated, but I was thinking about the fact that if evaluators used to mostly come from where they were already doing the work and then they realized, oh, wait, okay, this is evaluation. I, there's a There's a thing that exists here. Um, I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's something that it used to be that more people who did evaluation were used to being evaluated. Um, but if we're training people to come straight out of school, maybe they're not getting that kind of experience. So I was also intrigued by those responses. It's, I mean, I there's part of me that's like, I wonder if I can like just on my own time, just like launch a full scale study of this and try to actually access a larger group of people and, and learn more about it. Um, because I think it is an interesting question and it's something that I think is irrelevant for when we're talking about the future of, of evaluation training and what evaluation journeys will look like in the future. Do we have this kind of experience? And then to your question of like, how do we get this kind of experience if we don't have it? Um, I mean, one of it is to, I mean, evaluation comes up in little ways all the time in our lives. Like we, we are, if we've ever been a student, you've been evaluated in that way. Um, and so just paying attention to those, those times of like, okay, how did it feel like when, when I was evaluated by an, an instructor in a course or, or something like that? Like, what, what can I take away from that? What was good about that? What was not so great about that? And developing our empathy that way. Um, I think another thing that you can, we can do is more meta evaluation. Um, evaluation of our own projects. Um, so especially like if we're going to send a bunch of recommendations to people in a report, we should be finding out if those are useful recommendations. We should find out, you know, did that, were you actually able to implement that? Were, what were the kinds of, of um, things that you ran into around that? Were those meaningful? Checking in with people, I think some consultants will do, if you're internal, you can have this feedback more often, but if you're external, I know consultants sometimes do like six month follow-ups just to check in and find out. So that it's not like, okay, sent the report and now we're done. 
Um, and also engaging with your peers, like thinking about yourself as an evaluator, thinking of that as, okay, what are my goals? What's my, what's my theory of change here about how I become an evaluator? Like think of the fact that you are your own kind of intervention or program and, and, and turn an evaluative lens on that and engage maybe some of your colleagues, um, in, in that discussion and see if they can ask you evaluative questions and, and hold you accountable to yourself. Um, I think there's all kinds of creative ways that we can involve evaluation and meta evaluation in our lives. Um, and then the other thing is maybe just for me, it was go and try to actually design a service and then <laughs> try to implement it and realize how freaking hard it is. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. no, that's, those are great points. And uh, your points on meta evaluation too, that, I mean, that makes me think of, uh, I think it's in Alberta, uh, one of the CES chapters is putting on an eval, well, they're calling it an eval cafe, which not to be confused with this podcast, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> an event where you can come together and do a SWOT analysis of your own evaluation practice. Oh, I thought that was a great idea to have, you know, people come together and, and kind of do this. I, I guess it would kind of be like a meta evaluation of your own evaluation firm or practice um, in a group with others engaging in the same practice. Oh, that's awesome. I'd seen the, yeah, I saw the hashtag around like, oh, there's another Revelt Cafe out there, but I didn't realize <laughs> that that was the essence of it. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing is independent consultants, I mean, while well, we're evaluators, we're also running a business. So I think at some point you need to look at, is this business actually succeeding? Are we making money? Are we able to keep the lights on and all that? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, it can also, I know sometimes it's like, oh, I keep meaning to do some analysis of, of my data. I do some time tracking and all that for myself, but I've never really kind of dug down and see like, where is my time going? And am I kind of creating the, like, what are the key outcomes besides just, you know, keep a roof over my head. So yeah, that would be, I think really, yeah. Turning that meta evalu evaluative lens on us, on ourselves would be a great idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. Evaluator, evaluate thyself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who evaluates the evaluators? <laughs> Evan, do you have anything that you want to share or promote or tell our listeners about before we wrap up? Sure do. Uh, I'll throw in a quick plug for uh, the CES 2019 conference here in Halifax. We, um, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I think the conference hotel where it's situated is just a great spot. Uh, it's located right near the Halifax seaport. So whenever there's break times or if you're staying in the conference hotel, uh, there's so much to do around there. Um, we've got the farmer's market there the Canadian Museum of Immigration, which is a fantastic museum, uh, Garrison Brewery, um, the shopping restaurants, it's right near downtown. There's even a grocery store nearby. Um, yeah, I couldn't think of a, a better spot to, to have this. And, and of course, it's right on the harbor. So you got, um, you know, less than a minute walk to, to be on the harbor front. Um, yeah, it, it's great. The, the program is still being finalized. Uh, there is an agenda online, though, that just gives kind of an outline of when concurrent sorry when concurrent sessions are happening uh keynote speakers uh you know has the whole kind of outline of the agenda there um the keynote speakers are online and registration is now open nice yeah i think it just opened the other day so that means we still got early bird rates and and i wanted to i think we tweeted this but uh, in a previous episode we mentioned uh we talked about um Paul Kischuk's uh, submission he'd made around evaluation as a bridging profession, which I think 
also we didn't quite mention it explicitly in this episode but i feel like it touches on this episode as well um but i just i got news from him that he his submission was accepted so he will be presenting at halifax uh the topic is called why do we evaluate a social capital explanation so if you were interested in that in our previous episode definitely head over to to halifax hang out with some haligonians uh (laughs) that is what they call them and it is it's totally there canadian (laughs) trivia east coast (laughs) some east coast trivia um and check out that session amongst all of the other amazing sessions you know i think that was our first piece of follow-up you know they usually have that on another podcast where they do follow up from previous episodes so i think we need to uh, we need to mark that somehow on this on this podcast (laughs) does this make us real podcasters sorry i think so i think we're we're legit now so (laughs) but yeah um i'm definitely i'm i've i'm gonna be presenting a couple sessions at uh at uh, at CES, including actually a, a, a bit of a it's not a roundtable discussion. It's a consultation and collaboration, or consultation and deliberation. I can't remember what it's called, but about kind of the the role of conferences. So, looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's my first time. It'll be my first time to Halifax. So I'm looking forward to to seeing the city as well and uh, catching up with some colleagues, including Evan. So, all right. all right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Evan. This is yeah, great. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. I mean, this is my first podcast experience. So, you know, as, as a guest anyway. So, uh, hey, thanks for that. That's it for this episode of Eval Cafe. Thank you to all our listeners. Please check out the rest of our episodes on Pinecast, iTunes, or Google Play, or by going through our website, evalcafe.wordpress.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at EvalCafe. And if you want to drop us a line, you can find us at evalcafe.podcast at gmail.com. Musical credits go to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for poppers and prosecco or intro theme, and dispersion relation or outro, as well as to Tim at tabletopaudio.com for the lively cafe ambiance in our intro. Okay, fine. Now we're recording. Are you happy now? I am. <laughs> All right. Oh boy. <laughs> well, lucky if we get more than like five minutes of usable footage out of this one. Oh God. If we need to do take two later this afternoon, then uh, I'm around. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Let's uh, <clears throat> get everything serious now. <sighs> That's not helping. <laughs> Deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs>